0: um cabled here um, so i hope i hope um, during this this short address that i prepared that uh, the glory of the cross will will come out as well um, certainly by the end so um, james asks who is wise and understanding among you it's a question which i think some people can say yes to it's not as though who's perfect what none of us so And he proceeds over the next few verses to illustrate um, how it is that we can uh, have wisdom from above, what it's like and what it's not like, and uh, who can have this wisdom and understanding among us. But if we just put the question out there to the world, uh, who among you is wise and understanding, how do we go about answering the question, is it to do with intelligence, is it to do with insight? Is it to do with talent? Well, I just kind of did a bit of Googling and came across a couple of studies who basically, which basically um, analysed who, out of the historical greats, have been perhaps the wisest and the most understanding amongst humankind. And here were some fairly predictable results, one or two uh, surprising results as well. We know, who, Well, first of all, Charles Dickens, okay, so... He's named as as one of the one of the greats. This isn't him. Um, <laughs> sorry, I moved on a little too soon. Um, but <laughs> no, that's not him. Um, but um, I've moved it on too quickly. So, um, but uh, just in terms of genius, okay. So he's rated as, as being you know a, a genius, an IQ of 165, which is comfortably in genius zone. Um, it's a study which, although it's not using the usual, you know, kind of Mensa test and coming up with you know, 150, 160, 170. Nevertheless, looked at the output and the writings and the, the talent, uh, you know, the, the sayings, etc., of, of quite a few luminaries in the past. And Charles Dickens comes up pretty high um, certainly as, as, as in the intelligence stakes, the talent stakes and I think many would say the wise understanding stakes. Um, Raphael Um, Artist, uh, an architect, a bit brighter, 170 uh, IQ given to him. Faraday, uh, leading scientist. Um, Michelangelo, he's up there. Sculpture, poet, engineer, a bit of polymath, 177 is kind of his assumed IQ. Erasmus, level pegging, 177. Um, Galileo Galilei, a bit brighter, 182. Uh, Isaac Newton, 192, now we're getting to 200. Da Vinci. This is him, Leonardo da Vinci. A uh, couple of hundred. His IQ. He's not the brightest. <gasps> who is the brightest? Laura knows because she did the slides. Uh, this this chap is kind of rated as being one of the cleverest. Do anybody know who he is? That Goethe. That's right. Very good. <laughs> We have our own genius in the room. <laughs> um, Johann, I was suspected it. I, was, I was nervous, um, how did how you know that? Anyway, Johann Wolfgang uh, van Goethe, German poet, novelist, politician, uh, kind of a kind of assumed uh, IQ of 220. So very bright individual. Um, even after a bad day, you can go home. You know, he's got a mug that says "Brighter than Leo," um, or, a, or maybe has a T-shirt made for himself, "Smarter than Leonardo." Um, so, you know, he's one, one of the greatest. So, I mean, all of those characters, we've heard of them all. We know that they're all geniuses. And we've probably all said that they're really wise, really understanding. Some perhaps wiser than others, you know. Some have got great education and, uh, you know, uh, but, but others, um, polymaths, you know, they're able to put their hand to anything and, you know, be art, literature, painting, sculpture, inventiveness, science, you know, like, like da Vinci, for instance, um, you know, on so many fronts. Um, but this guy can go home of an evening and say to his wife, at least I'm cleverer than than, than da Vinci. Um, the smartest today, so that that's looking back at some of the historical greats. Uh, anybody remember? Uh, well, there's, there's quite a few names, uh, look, look at the list. Um, some of whom are, will have been well heard of, some of which perhaps not, so... Gary Kasparov this isn't him I, again I've moved on too. I've moved on I'm not even at the front uh, again i've moved on uh, to to too quickly Gary Kasparov um, ch- uh, chess player now as a politician or turned his hand to politics um, name Chomsky um, father of modern linguistics um, Ruth Lawrence this is her on the back of the bike um, mathematician she she's gone on to, to great great prof- prof- professorial heights in the in the world of mathematics um, And uh, she got her Oxford degree when she was 13. Um, I think her dad had to take her to lectures and stuff because she was uh, so young. And of course, our our own um, Stephen Hawking. So these these are like number one, uh, brightest person. Add to this, politicians, rulers, uh, who have to handle very tricky situations of diplomacy and international relations, negotiations, etc., they're wise, aren't they? They're full of understanding, aren't they? Um, I think if asked a room full of politicians, who among you is wise understanding? This chap, I think, would probably put himself forward as saying, well, I am. <laughs> I think he's putting himself forward as being one of, one of the greatest politicians and um, presidents that America has, has ever endured or enjoyed. Um, but is this wise understanding? Is this, is this wisdom and understanding? Is this what uh, James is talking about? Not necessarily. So let's hear what the word of God says about who is wise and understanding amongst us. It continues the theme of, of James about authentic religion, putting into everyday life priorities, vision and even the very reason for our Christian living. And this passage and elsewhere in James, uh, James's epistle, draws out the difference between worldly wisdom and the distinctiveness of Christian wisdom and understanding It's about personal, authentic religion and what shows, and and, and how we show what is truly important to us. What is is our character like? What is our Christian character like? How do we respond to situations, to difficulties, to perplexities, to persecution? Uh, We do it through showing uh, spiritual wisdom. And as I say, it's kind of um, the, the, the taming of the tongue is a great introduction to this because it's how we live, it's how we conduct ourselves, it's how um, our Christian faith is reflected in everyday living so uh, this, this passage moving from the tongue into wisdom it may seem a little bit out of the blue um, but it's not entirely uh, James sets the theme in in the, the towards the beginning of his uh, epistle chapter 1 verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him so it isn't so much out of the blue, Uh, it runs throughout James and he's writing to Christians who are in the context perhaps of facing trials the testing of their faith uh, moving through as uh, Richard showed us uh, last week, through different phases of impacting on Christian, the Judeo world, uh, the Old Testament the wisdom, literature, what um, God, God believers were supposed to, expected to believe and behave and respond into now a new um new testament uh Christian era spiritual era especially so he 's talking about perseverance he 's showing uh, he 's talking about maturity and about character and and how do we display and show these depths of patience and strength. This is Christian wisdom and understanding, and this is the context in which uh, this we, th- this passage comes so it 's not out of the blue um and james is is pointing to opportunities for believers to show uh, spiritual wisdom. So how do we demonstrate spiritual or Christian wisdom? It's not by rote, it's not by intellect, it's not being like Goethe or Isaac Newton or Galileo, Um, but it is by what we say and what we do. And it's by what motivates and prompts our words and our deeds, um, especially when under pressure. So, Words and the use of our tongue has been the focus so far of James. Of James three. Now it's about um, it's about uh, deeds that comes more into focus, and it's not just any old deeds. It, is, it isn't just even good deeds. Um, unbelievers would say that good deeds are important. Of course they do. Um, and but quite often unbelievers will, will cling to deeds and cling to cling to what they believe to be their good deeds and think their justification. Uh, and their understanding and their hope is in is in that but what James is saying uh, is different for believers uh, and we show this wisdom in the humility uh, which Christians need to show and also as, James, uh, sorry, as Stephen pointed out to us three weeks ago in, in the obedience of faith so we show uh, wisdom and understanding as believers through humility true wisdom like faith uh, so, true wisdom, like, like, like faith and like and like humility, uh, has to be humble. It's not grasped that it's not something we can boast about. Um, wisdom and, and humility go together in the meekness of wisdom. He's not saying be wise and try and be meek at the same time. He's saying you know you are showing this wisdom through meekness in the in in the meekness of wisdom. It, it, the kind of the two are inseparable. And contrast this to worldly wisdom, uh, which to be worldly wise is often held up as being a, a good thing, um, to be you know to, to show you know practicality and realism and what have you, uh, and to be ambitious. Um, but worldly wisdom um, sometimes is good, but not if it is accompanied um, by a heart which is untouched by God. So, true wisdom. Like humility is a, is a, it's often a fragile thing, um, and as soon, it's almost like as soon as you think you're humble, you're no longer humble. <laughs> as long as you say I'm humble, you're not. As long as you say I'm wise, if that's accompanied by you know some feeling of self-aggrandisement and achievement, then that isn't wisdom. That's not the wisdom that James is talking about. It's not the wisdom that God is looking for. So, maybe being uh, this wisdom and this understanding that James talks about. Isn't quite so common. It's not impossible to, to have, but it's not as common um, as as we might think it is, because it can flee um, like humility. Uh, as soon as we think, thank ourselves for this. As soon as we puff ourselves up for having, you know, particular wisdom or understanding. So, so a heart untouched by God uh, can show uh, modesty. It can show even humility, but if it's mixed, but not if it's mixed with the bitter jealousy or selfish ambition that James then talks about. Jealousy is sometimes but rarely good, <laughs> it's often bitter and in the NIV it actually uh, talks about bitter envy. I don't think you can ever say that envy is a good thing, uh, envy is, is bitter, it is it is a bad quality and, and uh, bitter jealousy or jealousy w- when bitter, which it often is. Um, then it is, it is false and it is not uh, anything like true wisdom selfish ambition likewise some ambition can be good it can achieve things for good um, but not if it's parading as selflessness or selfless uh, or disinterested ambition so if we have selfish ambition in our hearts it suggests something which is hidden something which isn't transparent something which is not clear to others Something which we're trying to hide from others uh, and from God. Something which is interested only in self. So James is kind of drawing a distinction between um, a worldly wisdom and understanding, which is, which is sometimes or often accompanied uh, by um, bitter jealousy or by selfish ambition, and is contrasting that with the true wisdom and understanding which believers should strive for and which they will demonstrate by works, by good works, in meekness. And that is how uh, believers demonstrate the wisdom uh, which they which they should. Um, and if we have bitter jealousy in our hearts or selfish ambition in our hearts, then uh, we should not uh, boast about that, but we should mortify it. We should identify it and we should pray against it. When I was preparing this, I was reminded of a park bench, which uh, in the gardens in Knaresborough, down towards the river, and it said, of Brian or whoever, he was a proud man <laughs> <laughs> and I think they're trying to be nice <laughs> but that you know, I think to us that would be quite sad wouldn't it, would we want on a park bench or chiselled on our, onto our tombstone, he was a proud man or a proud woman, I don't think so, we should strive to have he was or she was uh, a wise or humble uh, person so the world will often look at at, at um, some, some degree of of ambition or pride and think it's good. But James is saying it ought not to be so amongst believers. If any lacks wisdom, let him him ask God. He gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. So envy and selfish ambition, they're the opposite, as I say, of the wisdom which James is exhorting us to. And to harbour them or or to have those in our heart is to deny the truth about ourselves And about God. So the wisdom which um, James mentions in inverted commas, uh, this is not the this is in verse fifteen. This is is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Um, It's so-called wisdom. It is not wisdom in reality. It is merely earthly, and as such, it is unspiritual. It is man-made. It is fallen. It is not pleasing to God. It is of human origin only. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. I'm just reading odd verses so you needn't uh, look it up. But 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 reads, Paul writes, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So that wisdom is unspiritual. Um you know, the, the 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 kind of the wisdom of the world, the wisdom that does not um come down from above. It is demonic. James goes further than simply saying it is unspiritual and calls it for what it is. It is of the devil. It lulls us into a spiritual death it blinds us it deafens us it makes us insensitive to the movement and the inspiration and the work of the Holy Spirit and the pleasing of God and Paul um, warns of this uh, again in 1 Timothy 4 now the spirit verse 1 now the spirit expressly says that in the latter in the latter times or later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. So James, like Paul, is putting their, is putting his finger on this type of, of demonic, unspiritual um, kind of mindset and wisdom of the world which is opposed to God, departing from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. This sort of... Um, Falseness can even uh, creep into the church. And we read in um, Romans 1. need to look up because I haven't copied it. Romans 1, uh, verse 18. Where Paul writes. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppressed the truth. And down to verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So he's talking about although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him. uh, and And their foolish hearts were darkened. So. I think what Paul is warning against here is also that where you least expect unspiritual and demonic uh, wisdom and thinking, that's where it can creep in. Even amongst people who uh, may say, well, I know God and knew, should know better, this, um, this demonic mindset can, can creep in. So let's reflect on this again. W- worldly wisdom, which James is contrasting with spiritual wisdom, is, is dead it's, uh, and it's blind and it's, and it's rebellion Against God, it may have an appearance of wisdom, of understanding the ways of the world, and of the importance of ambition. But in the its end, is death. And where we see these characteristics, which the world may war uh, and which re- that the world may revere and wars to own, then we can find disorder and every evil practice. James says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder. And every vile practice again is is, is forcing, is, is making this clear distinction between spiritual wisdom, which is shown by the in meekness, and contrasting it with jealousy, selfish ambition, worldly, and spiritual demonic wisdom. And where this demonic, jealous, selfish wisdom exists, there will be disorder. And every evil practice, and we don't have to think too hard or look too far about what type of disorders can we can we see, where uh, this earthly and spiritual demonic mindset and wisdom, so-called, is holding sway. We see it in governments. We see it amongst rulers. We see it in the way that people are repressed and made to go and allowed to go hungry. We see it in places like Venezuela, for instance. We see it uh, in in marriages, we see it uh, between lovers, we see it between employees and employees, we see it in enterprises. Many or most of these will tend to disappoint and will fail and will fall well short of what God wants. uh, And so the the people that they're meant to serve are often uh, put down and ill-treated. And unlike the world, this is not how Christian wisdom should be. And we just see in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So, that's where disorder can so easily uh, come up. We see it everywhere. We see it all around us, where where there's an an unspiritual, unchristian, uh, man-centered wisdom and mindset and approach uh, taking hold. We see also every vile practice, again we don't have to think too hard or look too far to see those. We see it in every decision where I is at the centre. We see it in, a, in all the consequences, where man puts himself at the centre, breaking God's commands, failing to love him, failing to love our neighbours ourselves. And we see it all around us. So James is, is pointing to the disorder in every vile practice which results... Uh, from this jealousy and selfish ambition from this unspiritual and this demonic uh, wisdom which is often on display in the world and it contrasts it with the wisdom which is from heaven which is given by God regardless of intellect, regardless of natural ability, regardless of education to all who seek and ask remember James 1 verse 5 "He, he who lacks wisdom let him ask God and he will give bountifully to those who show humility before God So what is this wisdom from above like? It is first of all pure. So this is an attribute, a very, very important uh, primary attribute of God. It is pure. And as pure, uh, it is holy. It is 100% God's character. Thinking of 1 Peter 1, verse 31, we read, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former, former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So this purity which this spiritual, God-given wisdom must display is purity and holiness. Another aspect of purity is also being cleaned and being washed. And the church, even as here this evening, reflects the purifying work of Christ. <clears throat> Thinking of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27. Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So even the church (coughs) itself, poor as we may often look, uh, we reflect the the cleanness and the the washed state um, that God desires. And this all again points to the purity, which this spiritual wisdom is primarily. But the wisdom from above is first pure. (coughs) It is good, it is perfect, Purity is like, is being simple and childlike. And it's how our faith and trust in God should be. Thinking to what the Lord Jesus said. We read in Matthew chapter 18. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such, as, one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So the point I'm making is that our faith needs to be simple and childlike. It needs to be pure, because the wisdom from above is first pure. And this is how our wisdom, as well as our faith, should be. It should be of God, the ultimate source of all that is is pure, born and inspired in him. The wisdom from above, there are various attributes to it. It is peaceable, it is gentle, it is open to reason, it is full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Uh, That's verse 17 of James 3. So thinking about some of the aspects of this, the attitude of this wisdom is to be peaceable. Um, just thinking of Proverbs chapter three, verse seventeen. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are are, are peace. This is speaking of wisdom. Her ways are ways of, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths uh, are peace. So again, this is this is a thread that runs throughout. This is the sort of wisdom that we need to display, as well as being pure. It is also to be peaceable. It is to be gentle or considerate. This gentleness is characterised by consideration for others, putting others first. And what better example do we have to follow in that than that of the Lord Jesus himself? Just turning to uh, Philippians 2. A few verses there which will be well known to us. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from above, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So our great example should be Christ. And here um, Paul is saying, do nothing from selfish ambition. That's a phrase which occurs in James 3, to avoid selfish ambition. And the best way to avoid selfish ambition is to model ourselves on Christ's example of humility this wisdom from above it uh, as well as uh, being peaceable and gentle it is open to reason the NIV translates this as submissive and it's in the same vein as above gentle and peaceable it's not it's not a case of my way or the highway it's a case of your way how can I serve you its actions are full of mercy this is uh, such an important aspect, mercy, that the Lord mentions it uh, in in what is called the Beatitudes, um, Matthew chapter five, verse seven, where the Lord says, He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, various Beatitudes, the fifth being, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So again, the wisdom from above is full of mercy, and it's full of good fruits. The spiritual Christian wisdom that we need to display is not just a matter of the head. It's not just a matter even just of the heart. There needs to be a lot of fruit uh, following as well. There's needs to be much fruit on this tree of our spiritual wisdom. And to remind ourselves of these fruit, Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23, where Paul writes, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law and james and paul are writing so closely together here that a lot of the same words that they're using are exactly the same they talk about the the peace the kindness the faithfulness the uh, the the gentleness and the self-control so it is such an important message for us to 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 hear full of good fruit also, this business from above is impartial and sincere. It does not jump to conclusions. It does not prejudge. It does not delight in gossip. It does not assume the worst of people. These are things that uh, uh, don't come easily, do they, <laughs> to us? We love to jump to conclusions. We find it easy to prejudge. We maybe take some comfort from assuming the worst of, of some people. But these are uh, things that we must battle against. These, these are not marks. Of being wise and and understanding. These are not marks. Of the wisdom. Which comes from above. need to be sincere without hypocrisy. One of the marks. Of true Christian sincere love. uh, Is that it is genuine. And uh, genuine and and, and sincere. Romans uh, chapter 12 verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast. What is good. So I hope these are all aspects of which we can get our heads around, which we can seek to apply to our hearts, of the wisdom which is pleasing to God. It is completely different from what the world counts as wisdom and understanding. Uh, it is uh, not earthly, it is not unspiritual, it is not demonic, it is the opposite of all of those. It is not jealous, it is not bitter, it does not show selfish ambition, it does not lead to disorder or vile practices. It is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. And there's so much in there uh, for us to learn. So James exhorts us to be peacemakers in conclusion, that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, peacemakers. Where else do we hear this? Back to uh, the Beatitudes. We heard about mercy, uh, we heard about uh, pure in heart, there is also, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. One of the first things in in Christ's ministry talks about, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Such as the honour and the pleasure which God bestows on peacemakers. And who is the greatest peacemaker in all eternity? Well, a peacemaker is one who makes peace between... Uh, two parties or more than two parties one has offended often and one has offended there's a gulf between them and the greatest cause for offence and the greatest need for peace for peacemaker is between God and man and God the Father sent his own dear son God himself to purchase our peace uh, through Jesus' uh, death on the cross and resurrection and it bridges the huge, device, uh, the, the huge divide between the anger of an offended God uh, who paid the price to win peace with, with us sinners again through Christ on the cross Christ is the greatest peacemaker by laying down his life for us uh, the innocent the pure, the perfect for the guilty ones that we may be clothed with his, with his righteousness and the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace Christ sows in peace, he invests in peace, he wins and buys the peace that we crave, that we need with God and the result is a great harvest of righteousness, not just a few ears of corn, not just a few crumbs of comfort, not just a little bit of relief, not just a few days peace or a temporary peace uh, but a great harvest of peace which lasts for all eternity between ourselves. And God. So see how James links a harvest of righteousness with peacemakers with heavenly wisdom with what believers should, should sow, should show and can possess and prove only by showing heavenly wisdom learned through humility. So let's lay aside all of our earthly standing of what the world calls wisdom. Let's not applaud what the world calls wisdom let's recognize those who are wise and who are peacemakers and who are who show understanding in a, you know in a, in a earthly worldly political sphere and you know in education and invention and science and everything but let's not think that is the epitome of wisdom that is the epitome of of understanding uh before god because so often that is accompanied by envy and by selfish ambition at heart So let us not not take pride or great comfort in any good deeds or faith that we might have but confess that we bring nothing and have earned nothing except a desire to utter the praises of our Redeemer.